Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Carter comes up shooting. All right, guys, you are listening to 95 to Infinity Podcast. I'm Brandon Kajoka. Joining me on the line, as usual, is Christian Graffin and Gregory Yero Shottis. Boys, how you doing? How's the winter? How are you surviving this lockdown and COVID? I'm shuttered in my house right now, and I think everyone's the same with the snowstorm, right, Greg? Baby snowstorm, that's the recipe yeah, for staying in. I'm going squirrely, Brandon. I'm I'm not going to lie. I'm a man of the people. I need to be out there, but we're all uh, making the sacrifices that uh, we need to make, and uh, hopefully uh, within a few months, uh, life will get back to a semblance of normal. You... you- is there anybody I enjoying am. I'm it? absolutely enjoying it. It's the ultimate life of leisure for me. You know, I'm not working right now. I'm collecting EI. I don't have children. Um, and yeah, it's fantastic. You know, being being, being a guy without a kid you're in, during you're COVID in. when I can just kind of wake up, play video games and, you know, live my ultimate life of leisure. It's a pretty fantastic situation. Not going to lie. You bastard. Yeah, no kidding. You're in Windsor, so it's well, not that know, great. Waking up at you know noon and you know just playing GTA for four hours is a pretty sweet situation for me. But I digress, guys. The point we're doing the, is that we are doing a podcast and we're going to discuss the Toronto Raptors. Obviously, it's been a little bit of a difficult swing to start the season, but we're starting to look like uh, we're resembling the, the the championship team we were a couple of years ago. A couple big back to back wins against the Bucks, guys. What are your big takeaways from this? Is the team back to its normal winning ways or do we still have um you know a, a couple roads to get past before we're sort of that team we envision coming into the season graph do you want to field this first or sure no no no. i think the raps because i've been saying it all along right i've been saying the raps i think are that team it's just going to take some time for them to gel um norm powell is playing out of his mind right now and last week i think i said when he plays well we win like it's pretty simple um we beat the bucks now twice um we came off that pretty bad loss to minnesota and we face them again tonight so i'm hoping for redemption there but look we're seven and three in the last 10 um we're now fifth one game behind i think boston um, in the Eastern Conference. And really the only teams that kind of scare me are Brooklyn and Philly because um, we kind of own Milwaukee at this point. So thinking ahead, thinking towards the playoffs because we will be there, um, I think we finished either fourth or fifth. And the f- first or, you know, the first round is going to be 
probably pretty easy looking at the yeah. schedule right and now. Just to build off that. So, you know, early in the year, um, obviously there was a bit of a panic graph kind of kept us grounded because we have to remember that the team is playing away from home, right? They're in another bubble situation there. Many of them are away from their families. There's no real home court advantage. I know there's less of a home court for a lot of teams, but at least you're in your own arena. And uh, some of them are, are even getting fans that are supportive, whereas the Raptors are getting fans sometimes that are there to support the other team. Uh, so, But to answer your question, Brandon, uh, are they are we back to that championship contender team? Uh, I, I don't believe so. What I do think is that they're a competitive team in the East, with uh, a fairly young core. And I think I to be at that next level where we can even talk about like being a championship contender, you need to you need to have a serviceable big that can deal with Joel Embiid. And he, I, I think the Raptors also need another playmaker score. But but if but overall, as as Graf said, <clears throat> they're performing very well. I love are, are, I love the, the fact that we've gone small now, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but given the alternative, like 30 minutes of Chris Boucher just makes my day every time I see it. Uh, Siakam playing the center seems to really work, and it allows us to start Pal and OG. That starting five is very strong. I really liked it. Siakam likes it too. And remember, we were saying this earlier. This is the, this is the starting lineup yeah. in the playoffs, in my opinion. Siakam at center, played, just based on the roster. And because you need Norm Powell so to start better. Lineup, like right? Siakam took so much shit at the start of the year, and like if you look at at, at right his yep. playmaking, but 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 he stopped playing like he's trying to be Kevin Durant, shooting these like you know pull up threes uh, off the dribble. Right? He's he's playing much more within himself. I think he's really found his niche again. So I'm I'm so happy for him because he took way too much shit. And Greg, remember that Nick Nurse interview that I got to watch long, I think it was last, maybe two years ago now. But one of the things he said about Siakam specifically, that he has so many things that he tries. If he just limits himself to five yeah. things and gets really good at them, then he'll play at his best. And I think that's kind of the, the main switch that's happened. I think he's just gone back to the basics. And um, and look, Kendrick Perkins said last night that Siakam's more skilled than Giannis. Yeah, no, he, he, he definitely is. I mean, he's not the power athlete or defender that, that, that Giannis is. But, you know, I was watching that, watching that game last Still. night and I'm thinking, Giannis, do you know how good you would look on this Raptors team? You know? Ugh. I can't believe he chose right, Milwaukee. Guys, a couple other things I want to get to very quickly with the Toronto Raptors. So, you know, the big rumor going around right now is Andre Drummond to the to, to, the, to Toronto, to the 416. Obviously, there's so many barriers, you know, when it comes to salary cap restrictions. You know, you got to find the right pieces to match contract. Drummond's making about $28 million a year. Is that, like, it, it, realistically... Should we be making this trade? You know, you got to consider that we're going to have to throw in Norman Powell and et cetera to you know, deplete the bench just to bring in a rim runner like Andre Drummond. Um, do you think it's a smart move to bring in Andre Drummond? Or conversely, do you think it'd make more sense to maybe going after a guy like JaVale McGee or maybe looking at the buyout market with a guy like Blake Griffin? So I, I don't think Blake, uh, well, maybe in the buyout market, but otherwise, right, his, his, his contract is been more unworkable and he just doesn't seem to be giving you as much as he did even two years ago mind you i think he will play better wherever he goes next uh 
with the Drummond situation, and I thought about this a lot, like this is a player that I was talking about with you guys from earlier in the year. It's tough. Although we desperately need a power big, uh, mind you, we're playing really good playing small. And if it comes like, I don't think Norman Powell is, uh, it's not worth giving up Norman Powell, uh, a homegrown player that wants to probably stay here long-term and who again has found his peak again. Like he's playing like we saw last year. And this version of Norman Powell, like a 20 point score, Norman Powell is something that we really need right now. Like, although Drummond's going to give you better uh, uh, rim protection, more size, more rebounding, and he's going to give you close to the same point. I just think we can't be taking such a big scoring chunk away from our team right now because we struggle to score the ball in the half court. Yeah, in my opinion, none of them. Uh, Neither Drummond, JaVale McGee, or Griffin would fit on the Raptors. I think the one thing we saw in the championship run is that our center, I mean, obviously they have to be a good defender. That's a big body that can go against someone like Embiid. But the main thing is they either have to be able to shoot really well or pass really well. Uh, Marcus Gasol was a really good passer. And the reason I say that is you don't need uh, a power big, as you said, Greg. They're just going to clog the lane for Siakam. Like Siakam right now, I think the reason for his success is because he's able to do whatever he wants while driving. And you keep an Andre Drummond or McGee down in the lane there, and it just takes that whole dynamic away from him. He's forced to kind of shoot a little bit more. Um, I think what they need, I mean, it's tough, obviously, because you need a big that can do one of the two. But I don't think, I really don't think those three are the options, especially when you're talking about giving up Norm Yeah, it makes sense to me, I guess, in the long run. You know, you don't want to completely diminish the bench in the situation. You know, you're, you're talking about a team like, in my estimation, you look at the bench, you look at the depth of the bench in comparison to the last couple of years, it's not what it was, you know, two two years ago. Even last year, for example. You know, I know what Tom Bay is looking, you know, it's, it's a fun story this year. And, you yeah, yeah. I thought the bench are pretty exciting. But generally speaking, if we trade one or two of those guys, if we deplete our depth, we're screwed. Yes, I understand playoff time, you know, they shorten the bench a bit. But I think it's so important that we have all these sort of different pieces you know different types of players that kind of create the mismatches that we can kind of exploit as a team right oh uh, i i i totally agree and you it look if the trade was simply uh deandre or, or was uh drummond for like baines and some picks like that's something i, I Obviously, I'm fine with, but because of the salary match, like the other alternative, like the people are floating around is like just swapping for Kyle Lowry. And that's no way to treat, you know, a player, you know, a legendary player like Lowry, right? Trade him for a guy that you don't even know if he's going to be here next year. Um, but I think I, I think that's the real question, though, Greg, is the way they've been playing against the Bucks is is does that become more of a conversation? Not necessarily for Drummond, because I agree with you. Drummond for Lowry is, is, is stupid, in my opinion. But trading away Kyle Lowry for something else, seeing as how Fred Van Vliet's done so, such a good job. I'm not a, I'm not for it. I'm just saying it's been thrown out. Drummond. You know what I mean? Like, he always had the numbers. The stats are always there. You know, he's been an all-star at certain points of his career. But he's never been a winner. You know, I mean, he's never been in a situation where he's ever been on a winning squad. You know, he seems like a kind of an empty stats kind of guy. 
is that the case of Andre Drummond? If he went to a contender, do you see him being like a contributing member to a championship team? Or do you see that selfish kind of play coming into fruition? Like I just, I've never seen Drummond in a winning situation. I've no, never seen I, him sacrifice his stats for the betterment of the team. And I'm just kind of questioning, why is he such a marquee sort of trade asset for a championship team when he's never been a winner in his career? Well, I think he could be a supportive force for a really good team. Uh, like right now, the Lakers are down Anthony Davis. Let's just say they wanted to sure up their their front court rotation and pick up Drummond or you know, something. Along. I, I could see that he could be supportive for a good team, right? But to your point, uh, like I, I don't know if he's the type of player that 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 can turn a losing team into a winning team. Yeah. Right. Because you make a good point, right? He's never really been in a winning culture. Yeah, look, Michael Jordan didn't win till he was 28, right? The same shit was said about him. And I, I, again, obviously, he's not <laughs> Michael Jordan. But look, there's a lot. There's a whole list of players that weren't known as winners. And all of a sudden they get in their thirties, they get one opportunity. They take a little bit of a step back and they're known as winners. Like, look at if he were to go to the Lakers right now, he'd kind of be the perfect role that they'd need. He he wouldn't necessarily have to fill up the stat sheet, but you know that he'd be getting still probably a double double every night. That's a contributing factor to a winning team. So I absolutely think he can, he won't average the 20 and 10 Um, specifically the points. I don't think will be there, but it all depends on the scenario, right? Um, You get someone, like if you're in the Lakers scenario, like situation, LeBron's gonna be throwing you a lot of lobs. You probably will be getting yeah, a lot of points. Winning, um, it's easier so who when knows? you got who knows great players around you. But no, look, if Drummond was on our team and we didn't have to give up too much, he definitely make our team better. I because ultimately you're gonna have to put serviceable bodies to defend Embiid four times a season, right? And I don't know if if Baines is capable of doing that without having to defend double teams. Like you just need a body that can play him one on one. All right, guys, going into the second half of the podcast, you know, NBA trade deadline is kind of approaching, and I kind of want to look at some of the guys who could potentially be on the move. So I'm going to drop a few names here, and I want you guys to kind of figure out, A, the likelihood of them being traded, and B, who, in your estimation, is the best partner in a potential trade, and what potential trade packages do you see going down for said player? So the guy you started off with, and I'm going to give the graph right off the bat, is Bradley Beal on the Washington Wizards. Bradley Beal, obviously 27-year-old superstar, but playing for one of the worst teams in the NBA, the Washington Wizards, who are currently sitting at 3-12. and 12. Do you think Bradley Beal will be flipped before the trade deadline? What teams would he go to, and what kind of package in return would you think Bradley Beal would get? Uh, wow. Um, well, I, I'm going to go take away the finance just because I don't really know the, the, the finances behind it. Um, but gee, I mean, look, he fit on, he fit well on a lot of teams. I, I think that right now, if he were to go on a team like the heat or a team like, you know, um, even Milwaukee, I don't know how it would work financially, but I mean, these are teams that obviously need, uh, a better score, I would say. Miami specifically uh, would be my main target there. Yeah, uh, just just to build off that. Honestly, you, you know, I I've been coveting. I would love it if the if the Raptors had Bradley Beal, they would they would be a uh, contender to get to the finals at least. But I don't think that's going to happen. I actually don't don't know if Beal will be moved because he seems very loyal, and the Wizards have started to win. 
right? They've won three in a row now. They're, they, you know, the East is, is so there's so much parity that they could make a push for it. And as long as they're competitive, seeing how they just rolled the dice on Westbrook, they're probably going to want to give that some more time. Uh, but you know which team I, I really would love to see Beal on is, is Dallas. I think if he went to Dallas, if, if, if the Mavericks could find a way to get him with Luka, oh boy. Oh boy. All right, another name I want to throw out there, um, you know, maybe like the, um, the 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 Price Club version of Bradley Beal, uh, Zach Levine <laughs> on the Chicago Bulls. I just mentioned Andre Drummond empty stats, and Zach Levine comes to mind again when it comes to empty stats players. Currently averaging twenty seven points per game, but again, never really been in a winning situation. It doesn't really strike me as the kind of guy that makes the players around him better. But I digress. Do you think he's someone that a team will look at as a potential player to come in? Sorry, my dog's freaking out, Sam. And then um, do you think, what is the likelihood of Zach Levine getting traded? Where is he going to go? And what kind of package in return would a guy like Zach Levine get? Want me to go on this one? So so with Levine, he's tough because, he again, like you mentioned, great offensive stats. Guy doesn't defend, man. Like, he looks like James Harden out there sometimes. Um no, 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 he no, no. Can. He can defend. If you watch him, he's he, his problem is his tur- he turns the fucking yeah, ball no, over so much. He's a he's not a he's not Look, a bad I, defender. I don't doubt that he can defend. It's that I don't see him putting in like I don't see him in his defensive stance getting into people. He's a much more offensive minded player. Uh, so, and with that said, like from a point from a guard position. I don't know if any like contending teams would have use for him uh, because as you said, he hasn't ever won before. Mind you, he's 25. I know, but if you're a contending team, I don't think you're looking at him as the guy that's going to tip the scales. I see a team that's rebuilding that wants to accumulate more talent going after a guy like Levine. Um, You know, there were rumors that the Raptors were actually – uh, interested in Levine. I don't know how much truth there is to that, but he's the kind of guy that a rebuilding team could go after. I could see the Golden State Warriors being a team this season that could really utilize a guy like Zach Levine. You know, maybe a yeah. great package involving Andrew Wiggins and draft picks. I'm not exactly sure how much Chicago would want in return. And also, you know, you got to keep in mind, Clay Thompson's going to be back next year, kind of make Zach Levine redundant on the squad. But this season alone, correct me if I'm wrong, but Zach Levine seems like he'd be pretty good playing alongside Steph Curry. Does he need the ball? Yes, and look, they, tra- they, tra- they transformed Andrew Wiggins already, right? Because, Craig, everything you were saying there made me think of Andrew Wiggins. Offensive-minded, yep. hasn't been a winner, uh, not really defensive known, and then he goes to Golden State and can play a role on a team, and all and of a sudden so they're doing well. for, I'm so happy um, for Wiggins. That's another guy that the U.S. media has just been shitting on, and to some extent, rightfully so. Uh, just, like, his defensive intensity this year uh, has really made a difference for the, for the Warriors. I agree. I think if if Levine goes to the Warriors, they become um, not a favorite by any means, but they become a contender. I think if Zach Levine gets on Denver, they become That's a favorite. That's another one. Win. Yeah, yeah, Denver. They desperately need a shooting guard right now that can score like that. Up. I mean, look, obviously you said the defense is there, Porter but. Jr. It, I think that's arguably a risk worth taking. Uh, yeah. All right. 
Well, I guess like Denver Nuggets have to do something. In retrospect, you know, Jamal Murray should have re- been part of that James Harden trade. I guess rumors where, you know, Denver didn't really want to include him in the package. But, you know, in retrospect, I think Denver would probably make that trade. Um, all right, moving down the list, we got the Orlando Magic and Aaron Gordon. You know, he seems like a guy that's been on, you know, in trade discussions for his entire career. You know what I mean? It seems like he, everyone banks on the hypothetical upside. And again, he's a pretty good player, super athletic for, but, you know, he hasn't really reached the, uh, he hasn't become the player many people envision him to be um, at this point of his career. Do you think Aaron Gordon is on the move come trade deadline? Where does he go? And what kind of package should Orlando expect for a guy like Aaron Gordon? Can I quote, I'm going to quote, uh, you know, our, our, our dear friend, Leo Routens. Okay. Not as dear to us as Jack, but I grew up watching Leo. Okay. You know, and he was saying last time they played Orlando, like who is Aaron Gordon? What type of player is Aaron Gordon? Right. Is And, and I don't think, Aaron's figured that out yet. Even in his approach to basketball, he seems like a player that's still kind of, you know, sometimes he's on the perimeter. Sometimes he's taken to the basket. Sometimes he's defending. Sometimes he's, uh, he's, he's not, but I don't know how much interest there is for a guy like Gordon. And, and much like Levine, I don't know what kind of movement he would actually create in the standings for any particular team. So I see him staying in, uh, in Orlando. Yeah, Orlando seems like a good position for again. He he came in the league at 19, so it seems like he's been in the league forever. But again, he's just like Levine. He's only 25 years old. So there's, if anything, I see him getting traded to a team that maybe thinks that he's a little bit depreciated in Orlando, and they're not using him as much, and they can see him as more of a building block. Um, but again, isn't Orlando that team right now that kind of needs that? Um, they have Fultz, they have him, they have Cole Anthony. They basically have a whole bunch of players like that, and they're just hoping to hit on one or two of them. Um, I don't know the, if the return that they'd get back would be even draft picks. So it'd be tough for me. I mean, he's injured right now. Uh, right before that, this year, I have him on my fantasy team, so I know he was being more of a point forward, so to speak, this year. Uh, Greg, you're right. He's sort of changed his role every time. But look, he's shooting thirty like 7% from three. Uh, he's trying to change his game. And I think that, again, you give him another year, uh, he, he could turn into a really good player, but I don't see him going to a contender. I'm predicting uh, Aaron Gordon to Portland for Anthony Simmons and a lot of protected first. That's not a bad trade, you know. Like, that's not a bad... I would like that trade. I, I don't mind like, that either. Yeah, yeah. Moving down the list, the last part I kind of want to discuss uh, is John Collins on the Atlanta Hawk. Um, you know, he's hot and cold. You know, one of the more erratic, inconsistent players in the league. But when he's on... He looks like arguably one of the top five best big men in the NBA. Um, do you think John Collins will leave Atlanta? You know, there's obviously a um, stalwart when it comes to the contract negotiations. Graf, where does John Collins go? What is the best fit for him? And what should Atlanta expect in return for him? Considering, you know, they do have Clint Capella. They did sign Gallinari. You know, they did draft uh, that guy who I cannot pronounce his name fifth overall this year. So, you know, it seems like John Collins is on his way out. Um, do you think they should trade him for the deadline and actually try to get some value for him? Yeah, I think the best thing for Atlanta, though, because their roster is so deep, would be to try to get draft picks. Um I, personally, I think John Collins finds a way to stay. He is a, rest- I think he's believed as a stri- restricted free agent this year. Um, I, th- I know Atlanta is going to try to do all they can to keep him. So it's going to be really up to John Collins on what he wants to do. Um, in my opinion, the best trade team for him, and this has no bias at all, wink, wink, I, would I'm be the Raptors. I'm thinking that, Grab. Um, Go on, yeah. 
if we again so just i just want to even if just a simple yes no from both of you but if we were to give up norm powell two two firsts and a second for john maybe Collins, not two firsts take? but i like i no, 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 that's the trade. That's the trade. Yes or no? Uh, which years are those first? This year or next oh, year? I don't know. Uh, you know what? Like to get, he's a. Gr- I, I think that would be a great fit for us. Assuming he answer the question, Greg. Yes. <laughs> I would, but I think there's another team in the East that maybe has more assets than us that could put together a better package, and that's a Boston Celtics. Charlotte, yeah. Oh, no, Charlotte, for you sure. Know, Boston Celtics, you know, you think, you know, center's been kind of like their issue this season. Cantor, Thice, you know, they're oh, not Cantor, sorry, Daniel Thice. Um, you know, there really isn't really been any consistency of a certain position. And they have enough draft picks and young capital in an organization where I think they could be a dark horse for John Collins. And, you know, Greg, what do you think of John Collins on Boston? Does that look like, a cha- like the, the best team in the East if he is added to that organization? Probably not because they really need um, they need a, a rim protector. They need someone with a little more length, I think, and de- uh, playing that center position. But that still is an upgrade from what they're rolling out there right now. Uh, I, I still wouldn't put Boston. I, well, no, yeah, Tyson. Mind you, when 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 we play Boston, Tyson just eats our lunch. Um, but I don't. That wouldn't make them the top team in these because I think Philadelphia right now, um, Milwaukee and obviously Brooklyn are the three top teams. And then there's Boston, but maybe for next year, because he fits their young budding core. Like he's on the same timeline as Tatum and Brown. So that would certainly make them a contender. That's for sure. But let's just be clear here. They don't have that many draft picks. They just have a bunch of second round picks, which for John Collins is not, Enough, in my opinion. All right, I'm going to finish Spod off with a hypothetical trade scenario, and I got, want you two to kind of debate it back and forth. Does it make sense for both organizations? Um, does it fit their roster structurally? Um, so the trade I'm going to propose to both of you is Washington flipping Bradley Beal straight up to Philadelphia for Ben Simmons. Oh. Um, I'll, uh, who do you want to take? I'll take, it doesn't matter what side. I mean, in my opinion, Philly wouldn't do that. Same. Um, they didn't they, do it for know, Harden. Yeah. I mean, but. look, it's, exactly. They didn't, they wouldn't, they wouldn't do it for Harden. There's no shot. They would do it for Bradley Beal. Or, but apparently they not to mention their first, their first think, as well. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Go on. No, go on. Yeah. I, okay. A plus side of this is you're surrounding him beat shooters then like you're going all in on Embiid as being top five player in the world um and in the spacing it, with with him Seth Curry Danny Green Tobias Harris that would be nasty that would be nasty like I I don't think like that might make Philadelphia better on the flip side you are losing some defensive versatility with Simmons uh some defensive versatility. I think you're losing arguably yeah. the defensive player, like a runner-up for defensive player, player of the year. Brandon, yeah, exactly. I would also say that that trade only makes sense for Washington if Washington's going to move on from Westbrook, right? So if they want to trade Westbrook for a bunch of assets and then trade Beal for Simmons and then make Simmons the centerpiece with with the new guys, that would work. But you can't have Simmons and Westbrook uh, on the same court together. I don't think. It'll be entertaining. Well, it's interesting because 
Right. Because if you talk about, like, on paper, on the surface, if you just objectively look at both players, the trade makes sense. Both teams would probably benefit from that trade. You know what I mean? Washington getting a sort of guy they can craft their entire organization around, and, like, Greg just mentioned, Bradley Beal sort of coming to Philadelphia and maximizing Joel Embiid by putting, you know, shooters around him. But again, if you look at the individual player themselves, their age, their their potential, their upsides, and Graf mentioned their defensive metrics as well, it's very difficult to justify that trade. It's just crazy to think, you know, that like in retrospect like if you were philly would you have taken that hard in trade well the rumor is that they were actually going to but that the deal that brooklyn was proposing they liked it better right i think i think now that we've seen a few games with brooklyn and what they look like i think they're a sc- they're obviously a scary team right we know that but Philadelphia could have had that, right? Like Philadelphia could have could have easily taken advantage of it. Again, I think it just comes down to defense though, right? Like Ben Simmons provides so much defense, which we saw in the playoffs. It, it does so much younger. for you. Um, but still, if I'm Philly, I, I probably would have done that trade now. I mean, that it Brooklyn's would somewhat it. Yeah, sure. like limit their window to what you see as Harden's prime. As opposed to right now, if you can keep those two happy, like – you have two still young ascending superstars. Your window stays open for longer. But they would yeah. have lost all their depth as well. They, they were asking for quite a bit. I think Shake Milton. I think there was a few things. And right? then the whole like, process would have tough. come down to basically James Harden. Right? Like for two years of James Harden. All these tanking and rebuilding years. <laughs> And I honestly think Harden's happy in Brooklyn playing with what he wanted to do. And that's the reason why he's playing. That Who knows if he would have been happy in Philadelphia under Daryl Morey again. I mean, maybe, but maybe not. Oh, hard. All right, guys. Anything, anything to add before we uh, sign off? You know, as much as I in, like think that Brooklyn is entertaining to watch, I have to say, like, it's disappointing to me that Kevin Durant just keeps being on these super teams. I never like everybody's giving him so much love and I get it. He's an amazing player. Uh, right. But I would really love to see him like have to carry a team. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and he was already not with the team that Brooklyn had already. At least he was doing that a little bit, but now with Harden, it's like, he doesn't even have to shoot the ball in the fourth quarter. And I just don't feel like we're getting... It's also impacting his legacy. You know, and if you look at him in the long run, he's going from that, like, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson sort of conversation over toward, like, the, you know, Scotty Pippen, James Worthy side. And again, like, those are not bad. That's players, a really... But, yeah. you know, he's, That's a really good point, right? It's like, yeah, you got the championships, but, like, were you the man? Maybe, a, maybe, but, like, it, you, you watch these games, and, like, there's not anything that Kevin Durant is actually doing in the games that is any better or different from Harden and uh, Irving. Maybe he's getting shots up more efficiently, but he's not, he's not leading. Right. So it's not, it's not like what we're seeing out of LeBron right now. Right. Well, he's the biggest benefactor. There it is. That's what I wanted to hear, Greg. Greg, like he's the, LeBron's the biggest benefactor from the situation, right? There's no discussion whatsoever. You know, maybe five, six years ago, it could be a Kevin Durant, LeBron James, best player in the league conversation. But right now, no especially with what he's done the last five years or so. Like, I think the fact that he's so far from the second best guy of his generation just increases his legacy. And, 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 yeah. and, that, and that's, that's why he's going to win the MVP this year, Brandon, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, legacy. And, and, and look, he's the, he is carrying 
like I think it does matter what happened last season. Okay. So what I mean by that is like LeBron won the championship last year and he comes into this season playing all the games, really working hard on, uh, uh, on defense, putting up the stats, you know, he's the best player. He's reclaimed his title as best player in the world. That affects that affects the narrative. And now with Anthony Davis being injured, uh, if he's able to keep that team afloat, I think it, 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 it definitely goes more to, to his favor. Watch for one last thing. Uh, Brandon, watch out for these LA teams. I I bet you they're going to be poking around for Kyle Lowry come the trade deadline. Okay, watch out for them. Yeah, but why would we trade us? Because it's because Lowry's home is up for sale. I don't know. Maybe they give us Dennis. He's not living it. He's not living in it. Why would he? It's a great market to sell. Come on, Greg. Don't read him. Don't read it. Don't 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 be one of those guys. I'm just saying if. Look, because Lowry's at a point in his career now where he, it's fair for him to say, you know what? I want to win. Cha- I want to compete for championships, and I might want to do it in my hometown. And if that's the case, then the Raptors uh, might need to, right? And and maybe they get a call at the trade deadline. Hey, Schroeder for Lowry, Schroeder and someone else for Lowry. Would you not make? Would you not think about making that trade? Right. So I think you have to look at salaries. Yeah, that's why I said Schroeder and someone. He makes right. 32, $32 million, dollars, Greg. It's not gonna be that easy. No, but well, what does Schroeder make right now? More, not thirty-two no, million. But I mean, Schroeder, someone else, right? Like, I'm just saying, uh, there's there's gonna be interest in Lowry for because especially with what Brooklyn's done, I think Brooklyn has really rocked the boat, and 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 now there's more of an arms race. Teams are really gonna want to stock up. Let's just say the buyout market's going to be incredibly interesting this upcoming season. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week. Um, catch us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, etc. Um, check out our Instagram page as well, 95 to Infinity, and uh, have a fantastic And week. shout out to Miku, the man behind the Miku. curtain. Hot fire. <laughs> Yes, Miku, the man, the unsung hero.